Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast, and our first episode after Eurovision 2022. And Rob Lilly... Is back in the UK. He has escaped Margarita's apartment. He is COVID free and we are back together. Well, not together, but at least you know what I mean. I know what you mean. The listeners know what you mean. Basically, <laughs> things are back to normal, but this is anything but a normal episode of the Euro Trip because we are going to bring you on today's episode arguably the most important interview you will ever hear on our podcast. So let's get to it, shall we, on this episode of the Eurotrip. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. Hi, we are Dami Ogakamagnin, and you're listening to Eurotrip. But I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love the festival, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And today we are joined by Ukraine's commentator at the Eurovision Song Contest. We've seen him everywhere. You've probably seen his incredible reaction after Kalish Orchestra's victory on Saturday. It's Timur Moroshnichenko. I think out of everything we could have possibly brought you in our first episode after the grand final of Eurovision 2022, this is perhaps arguably the most important chat we could have ever have brought you. After everything we saw in the grand final, after everything we saw during the two weeks that the Eurovision Circus took itself to Turin, Timur has definitely become one of the most influential and important figures that Eurovision brought us this year. 
Absolutely. I mentioned it earlier. You will, I'm sure, have seen the footage of him celebrating in the bomb shelter in Kyiv when Kalish Orchestra won the contest. Just shows the importance of their victory, the importance of Ukraine being able to compete this year. And there was so much that I wanted to ask him. So brilliant for him to, to give us some time and for me to be able to chat to him and us to be able to bring you this conversation. Because, shockingly, some things are more important than the Eurovision Song Contest. But the Eurovision Song Contest is also incredibly important, if that makes sense. Yeah, and Timo really puts everything into perspective in the chat he had with Rob. In a chat we were very lucky to get because naturally he is a man in high demand at the moment. So it's great to bring you that chat on today's episode. Yeah, so thank you everybody for joining us. Thank you for listening to our coverage, of course, of Eurovision 2022 as well. And I hope you enjoy what's about to come. You're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So this is it then, the first episode of the Eurotrip in the aftermath of Eurovision 2022. The contest has been and gone for another year. I can't believe we've we've gotten through the mayhem of what the last couple of weeks brought us. And did you enjoy it? Did you manage to actually sit down on Saturday night and enjoy the grand final? I know you did, Rob. I definitely did. I definitely did. Mainly because I managed to watch the grand final from my living room, which was somewhere that I never thought I would see, I would say, ever again at certain <laughs> points last week with the whole stolen passport and COVID drama. But I was on a flight very, very early on Saturday morning. I got home. My fiance picked me up at the airport with a tea in hand. I hadn't had a proper cup of tea for weeks. <laughs> and then we made it back. I managed to rummage around in the downstairs cupboard, find the bunting. The bunting went up despite the fact that I only had four hours sleep. I managed to successfully decorate the living room. And then I sat down with a copious amount of crisps. I can't even tell you how many crisps. <laughs> we had a couple of friends round and we said, oh, well, feel free to bring something. And honestly, they brought more crisps than I think I've ever seen in my life. I think I'm going to be eating them for weeks. <laughs> Were any of them Italian crisps? Or was, have you got some sort of crisp addiction? What was the why was what was the reason for all the crisps? Well, I think they were just being polite, but neither of them had communicated with one another and realised that they were <laughs> both also bringing crisps. So honestly, there were tubes of Pringles everywhere. There's there's a lot of kettle chips. Do you know how you feel about a kettle chip? They're quite quite crunchy, aren't they? They've got that little bit of extra crunch you don't get with other crisps. A lot of them knocking about. Yeah, we ended up with a lot of hot dogs, which I must admit I isn't very Italian either. Yeah, I don't really know where that came from. I remember getting home. Obviously, I got home a little bit earlier than you uh, in the week. And on the Thursday, somebody said, oh, yeah, let's make sure we get the hot dogs in. And I never questioned it until now, to be honest with you, because, you know, we should have had pizza or something, surely. I don't know where the hot dogs came from. Yeah, we at least, after the crisps, did have homemade pizza. So at least there was there was an Italian element to it. But uh, hot dogs, I've had a hot dog for years. We've managed to do what we always do, managed to get this far without actually talking about the results of the Eurovision Song Contest 2022. <laughs> Congratulations to Ukraine. We're going to focus on Ukraine. You know that on today's episode. But James, the United Kingdom came second. Honestly, how did we get this far into the episode without mentioning the fact that Sam Ryder and his song Spaceman managed to come second overall and win the jury vote after 25 years of the UK pretty much doing nothing in terms of getting to the top of the leaderboard. 
that just came from nowhere and has had the biggest reaction here in the UK, hasn't it? I think this is all exclusively down to your documentary. <laughs> I must say, it was a very timely documentary. Thanks to everybody who, who listened to it. We released it uh, about 10 days ago, so almost two weeks. Uh, yeah, great reception to that. But yeah, it was um, it sort of it had a purpose and a reason for, for, for being released, didn't it? Because it, it almost, yeah, it almost caused, I don't want to say it caused that result, but it was, um, <laughs> it was a timely release, wasn't it? Somewhere the BBC are going, that man on the Eurotrip is claiming responsibility for, uh, <laughs> for our incredible result. You've heard all the facts and stats. The UK's best result since 1998. More 12 points on Saturday night than at any other point in the last 20 years combined. And also, Sam got more points than every single UK act between 2010 and 2022 if you add them together. What an incredible performance. And what a man. I'm so in love with him. Oh, honestly, I, I can't remember, and I bet you can't either. I know you've watched Eurovision a little bit longer than I have, but I, you mustn't have ever seen a reaction quite like Sam has caused in the aftermath of a contest before, because on the Monday morning, he was on so many radio stations here in the UK throughout the afternoon. He was on chat shows in the evening. Also, I don't know if you saw on EastEnders, they'd managed to squeeze in an extra scene where they mentioned Sam's result. I don't know how they did that. Do you reckon they filmed every single possible result? Like, oh, I can't believe Sam finished twenty fourth. Oh, I can't believe Sam finished twenty third. Oh, like, can you imagine they filmed like the whole thing? But very, very well done to the BBC and the team behind EastEnders for being so proactive and uh, and managing to get that out. But it's just so odd, isn't it? Because here we are, the week after Eurovision. Normally, the mood is dejection. What are we going to do? Let's pull out. Why are we even in Eurovision anymore? Honestly, this time, how refreshing. I don't really know what to do with myself. I know, normally the mood is so low. And yet this time, it's it's almost hard to, to, to come down from the high that was the weekend. Uh, but also, not just a great result for the UK, but also a fantastic result for Spain, coming third place with Chanel and slow-mo. And uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Lee Smithers, the series producer at the BBC. Uh, we retweeted on our on our podcast account as well at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter where he had chatted to the Spanish head of delegation last year and they sort of made a, a pact an agreement to come back stronger in 2022 after both countries had pretty disappointing results the year before and it's safe to say they came back with a bang. Yeah they certainly did Chanel was incredible fully deserved that top three position the, the whole of the the top five really I mean, everybody, everybody really did themselves justice. I thought every performance we saw on Saturday was fantastic. But also, you know, you've got Spain, as you've already mentioned. Also Sweden and Cornelia. That's Sweden's best result for a long, long time. You know, we always think that Sweden always do very well at Eurovision. But Cornelia got their best result for a good few years. Yeah, there's so many of these results that we could we could probably pour over, isn't there? Because there's just so much that happened in the grand final. We could probably talk for hours, but shall we, Rob? Just say a quick word to friends of the podcast. We Are Dommy opened the show on Saturday night, a tremendous opener to the show. And yes, they came 22nd, but I think they should be very pleased with the performance they put in because it was a great way to start the grand final. The first thing that somebody said to me when I got into the lift at work today was, that Czech song was very good. And I was like, <laughs> well, let me tell you about Benjamin, Dominica and Casper. 
But, oh, they were so good. We said when they qualified for the grand final that we felt like proud parents, but it just seemed perfect that having followed their Eurovision journey over the last few months, that they opened the 2022 grand final. And yeah, hopefully we'll catch up with them very, very soon and we'll find out all about their experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks to all of you who have listened all the way through our coverage last week as well. We should really reiterate that because, of course, we had a bit of a a rocky road last week in our live coverage from Turin. But so many of you stuck by us and so many new listeners joined our coverage throughout the week. So if you are listening uh, for, for one of the first times... Thank you so much for joining the Euro trip and make sure you do get in touch with any more of your comments and thoughts. We had so many messages over the last week or so. So if you've got anything else to say, make sure you get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on the email as well. Hello at EuroTripPodcast.com. And if you fancy doing something else, if you fancy a spot of light reading, head over to EuroTripPodcast.com for all of our exclusive stories. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So this is the Eurotrip Podcast. We've talked about the UK, we've talked about Spain, we've talked about We Are Domi. And next week on the podcast, in our final episode of the 2022 season, we'll do our best to wrap up some loose ends. Maybe we'll get Domi on and have a chat with them if we can. And we'll chat more about the UK and maybe a bit more about Spain as well. But this week on the podcast, there is only one conversation that we have to have and one interview that we must bring you. We've already mentioned his name in the introduction. He's Timur Miroshnichenko. He's Ukraine's commentator at the Eurovision Song Contest. He's basically done that job every single year since 2007. So he's seen Jamala win, of course, the contest in 2016 previously. He also hosted the contest in 2017 when it was in Kyiv. And he's hosted two junior Eurovisions in Ukraine in the past as well. And James, you'll have seen everywhere across the internet his reaction to Ukraine's victory, hearing his emotional commentary, seeing where he's broadcasting from. He's the person that we have to hear from today. Yeah, you're so right. We'll hear from him in just a sec. But before we go any further, shall we just play that clip, that moment when he realises Ukraine have just won their third ever Eurovision Song Contest? So we have a winner! The winner! Eurovision Song Contest 2022 is Ukraine! You can hear there, can't you? The joy and the release of excitement that for the first time in months, many, many months, the people of Ukraine have got, even for a very, very short amount of time, a slight distraction and a reason to celebrate. So just so brilliant to hear Timor there commentating from the bomb shelter. And we all know how much that moment will have meant, obviously not just to him, but to the rest of the Ukrainian people. Yeah, I've heard that clip so many times now since Saturday night. I remember on the first semi-final, I saw that picture and I'm sure so many of you have seen the picture of that underground shelter that he was actually broadcasting from. And that really put it into perspective, didn't it, really, about how significant it was that Ukraine had not only sent an artist to Eurovision, but then also had a a really 
good shot of actually winning the entire thing. And then when we saw the the clip of him commentating there and realizing, and it was the moment that Ukraine had won for a third time, it was just that release of, I think you said excitement, but so many other emotions must have been coming out of Timo there because it just is a significant moment for for not just Ukraine at Eurovision, but just Ukraine as a whole. Yeah, I saw somebody post a, a comment on the video of, of Timor and his reaction. And I think that really resonated with me because they basically said, I don't speak Ukrainian, but I almost know every single word of what he's saying. Like it was just such a, a special spine tingling moment when Ukraine won the contest on Saturday. But should we get to this conversation? So, so fantastic to be able to bring you this on the Eurotrip podcast. And do let us know your thoughts on everything that Timor has to say here. Get in touch. James has already given you the details at Eurotrip podcast on Twitter and Instagram or pop us an email. Hello at Eurotrippodcast.com. But I managed to find some time with Timor. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to him as well, of course. But here's what happened when we caught up in the aftermath of Ukraine's momentous victory. So, Timur, just to begin with, of course, we saw your reaction. We've seen the video many times after Kalashrokostra's win, but we're now a few days on. How do you reflect on everything that happened on Saturday? Still the same, <laughs> you know. Uh, that was a reaction, not only because of, uh, of the victory, of course, uh, you know, uh, from 24th of February, all of us, all Ukrainians, have so many different emotions inside, and uh, they are pretty negative. Let's speak like this. And uh, during this week uh, on Eurovision, we saw so many su- support, so many consolidation, so many Ukrainian flags in the audience, so many pretty words from other artists, and. Uh, uh, you can't even imagine how it's important for all of us right now. And uh, of course, when uh, Kalush uh, won, uh, when the uh, host announced the results, uh, we just blew up <laughs> with all these emotions. <laughs> and you know, I received, uh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, uh, thousands uh, messages uh, on Instagram, on social media, and uh, uh, on, on, on everywhere. Uh, and people, uh, Ukrainian people, uh, have written to me just uh, a few words. We cried with you. <laughs> <laughs> what What was it like for you to receive those messages? And for for the Ukrainian people, you know, I'm I'm talking to you. I'm not in Ukraine, but you are there. You are Ukrainian. Just express and explain to people outside Ukraine just how important Saturday was and Eurovision this year was for ukraine um first of all um of course first first of all um on 24th of february all of us uh, thought that we are alone in this war really and um the result uh, of uh, this year's uh, eurovision is like a sign for all of us that uh, hey guys we are here we we stand by you uh everything gonna be okay you together we will uh, uh do everything. We will do every, everything to live in an uh, absolutely uh, peaceful world. 
you know that, uh, of course, you know that uh, 66 years ago, Eurovision was created especially to unite people after the Second World War. And right now, when on our continent, uh, uh, the biggest war in its history since uh, uh, the, that sec Second World War, yeah, uh, it, is, it is very important to, to stay together against uh, uh, an enemy. And we know the name of this enemy, of course. <laughs> Just talk to us about what you actually said to the to the audience at home. You know, for for our listeners who who don't speak your language, what was it that you said? What message did you did you put across to to the audience on Saturday? Uh, first of all, I've said that uh, this victory is dedicated to the armed forces of Ukraine because of the of their um, heroism. You know, we can. Uh, we've ha had an opportunity to participate uh, this year. We've had an opportunity to to vote, to watch, uh, uh, to be with uh, uh, all uh, free world. Uh, on 24th of February, we all of us uh, didn't think about Eurovision, of course. We just thought about how to stay alive, uh, how to get uh, our families, relatives, our kids uh, to safety places. And uh, in May, just... Uh, two and a half months uh, after that date, uh, we are there. Uh, and right now we even might think where to host Eurovision next year. Uh, that's why I've, I said that this victory, of course, definitely is 100% uh, dedicated to the armed forces of Ukraine. That was the main message, I think. Of course, we need to talk about Kalish Orchestra, not just how incredible it was that they were on that stage in the first place, but also to celebrate the song, which was a fantastic Eurovision winner. But for yourself, Timur, talk us through what your journey's been like since you've mentioned the date there. We all know the date, the 24th of February. What what has that journey been like for you from then to now? Pretty hard, of course. Uh, on the From the first days, uh, I, I live in Kiev for just 10-15 minutes from uh, Ostomel, uh, which tried to capture in the first days. And uh, I have two small kids. Uh, we just went outside during air raid alerts and saw how planes, jets uh, were flying just behind, uh, between our uh, buildings. It is really scary. On, on the second day, on the second day of war, uh, I grabbed them and uh, uh, just uh, flee the war to, to the west part of Ukraine. Uh, I think maybe one or two weeks uh, they've been there. I've been volunteering, uh, driving thousands of kilometers uh, uh, around Ukraine, uh, helping people uh, with different stuff, of course. Uh, after that, uh, we had um, uh, the first uh, international uh, charity event in Warsaw, uh, the charity marathon Save Ukraine. Um, um, I've, I've got uh, special permission to, to go there just for this event, of course. Uh, that event uh, was uh, broadcast in uh, all around the world, so all five continents, 80 million people, like a small Eurovision, you know. <laughs> and uh, after that, my family uh, stayed uh, in, firstly in Poland, they, then uh, they moved to uh, Germany, they still there. And uh, I get back to Ukraine because uh, in this hardest, in this toughest time in our history, I have to be here. And how difficult is it in your role, you know, as a, as a major TV personality in Ukraine? How difficult is it to not necessarily stay positive, but to 
to provide that consistency for people at home in Ukraine who who are scared, I suppose, and are understandably very worried and concerned about everything that's happening. I'm as a person uh, which grew up with the Eurovision values. <laughs> I just know what uh, uh, the war is uh, always about life. Our soldiers are fighting for, for our lives, for our country. And of course, uh, on air, uh, we have to do everything to uh, raise morale for our people. And uh, maybe just a couple of a couple of weeks uh, after the uh, that date, after the full uh, full scale Russian invasion, we decided on our TV channel to relaunch uh, our morning show, uh, Breakfast with One Plus uh, One Plus One. Uh, it, it's the most uh, most popular uh, morning show in our country, and of course, uh, since the first days it was closed, because uh, all our TV channels uh, uh, broadcasting United Marathon News Marathon, no entertainment at all. And uh, of course, this morning show uh, now not about entertainment, but about life. We, we tell in a lot of different, uh, very powerful stories of our heroic people, uh, about our soldiers, everything. And you know, it's, uh, uh, of course, we received uh, thousands of uh, messages that thank you, thank you for. Uh, for for your job for our uh, piece of that peaceful life yeah <laughs> and uh, i know that it, it is um, it is very important for uh, for people in these uh, uh, awful times if if we go back to to Kalish orchestra of course and their win in the eurovision song contest winning ukraine's third eurovision of course i'm i'm not sure how much you will have worked with them how much you will have spoken to them in the past but and whether you've spoken to them since, but how much did it mean for them to be able to, to represent Ukraine on the world stage and, and to provide that outlet and that, I suppose, release for the Ukrainian people, a distraction? Kalish Orchestra, for us uh, now, it's like a symbol of this, uh, um, uh, of, this, uh, of this time of our resistance, uh, of uh, of a lot of um, from the first days uh, once again from the first days of, of war uh, so many different videos uh, uh, from the front line from uh, that scary uh, pictures we saw uh, in use uh, they've been added uh, with the music of uh, Kalush with different songs even of course with uh, Stefania uh, as well and. Uh, Day by day, uh, it became real anthem of all uh, of all mothers of Ukraine, of all uh, uh, of all people who trying to help each other uh, and other people uh, to to do to, to live in these conditions. Because uh, just imagine six million people flee the war abroad, uh, uh, about uh, eight, maybe even ten million. Uh, internal the displaced persons so it changed life of of the full hunt of the full country uh, and uh, of course we need music because uh, we are a very singing nation <laughs> you know that uh, so, so now they are they are real uh, icons we can say even uh, of this resistance of these times
you mentioned the song, of course, Stephanie. You know, how much did the meaning of that song change? Because, of course, when they competed in, in Vidbeer, like you said, it was about one of their mothers, but that has gone on to become a song about all Ukrainian mothers and, and means so much more than that. Yeah, definitely. Fully changed, of course, fully changed. And uh, uh, I can even say that it, not only of all the mothers of Ukraine, but uh, um, of Ukraine as well, in, in full meaning, because Ukraine is our mother. Uh, so we can even say that it's a, like an unofficial anthem of Ukraine, one of, uh, of unofficial anthems of Ukraine now. Timo, you've been involved in in pretty much every Eurovision Song Contest in, in different roles since 2007. But Eurovision and Ukraine, they almost seem so interlinked now, especially the Ukrainian wins. You know, the win in 2004 was so important. And then the win again in 2016 because of the meaning of, of, um, of, the, of Jamala's song. And then again, of course, this year. Ukraine and Eurovision is a relationship unlike any other, I would say. Mm, yes, yes. Um, how to say correctly? You know, first of all, we are very serious about Eurovision. Uh, every year, I think you know that we have uh, wonderful national selections with uh, so many talented uh, artists. Uh, they are trying to do their best, even better, uh, to to show. Uh, their talents, uh, firstly to Ukraine, then to to Europe, of course. And uh, year by year, I think uh, just raising this interest, uh, especially after this one, <laughs> this year's contest, of course. <laughs> so next year, maybe not next, next year, you know that next year's performance is not, uh, uh, not very good, <laughs> except this year's, of course. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what will be next year. Uh, but I think uh, that in the nearest future, we'll see uh, much more um, great Ukrainian singers, young Ukrainian singers with uh, uh, brand new mu music. I mentioned the various roles that you've had, of course, in, in all of those years, including being one of the hosts in, in 2017 when the contest was in Kyiv. A role this year, unlike any other because of where you were, of course, you were commentating, as people know, it was very well publicised from, from a bomb shelter. What was that experience like? And just take us, take us, you know, to that location and just describe, I suppose, what that was, what that was like for you. It must have been incredibly surreal. We get used to bomb shelters. <laughs> it's absolutely uh, normal for us, for, for a baby, of course. And uh, I think that uh, the location uh, was the last one I, I, I've been thinking about, of course. Uh, and uh, definitely it was the right decision, because, we, of course, we can't interrupt the broadcasting during air raid alerts. We have to continue. And uh, during, before the, the second semifinal, air raid alerts uh, was in the region just after final a uh, huge air raid alert uh, starts all around Ukraine. And we were, uh, we were, we've been joking that uh, in this way, Mr. Putin decided to congratulate us with, uh, with the victory. And uh, we've been in the shelter that night, on the night after uh, grand final till 6 a.m. Because uh, the region we've been working from uh, were shelled that, uh, that night. What happens next for, for Ukraine? I know you mentioned when it comes to to Eurovision in 2023, the 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 wish would be to host Eurovision in a in a safe and a peaceful 
Ukraine, presumably that's your that is your hope, and and that could still be possible. We strongly believe uh, in our armed forces, <laughs> and we still have a few months <laughs> before the final decision. <laughs> so we'll see. Of course, I want to, and not only me, all Ukrainians want to welcome. Uh, all the guests, millions of fans, millions of uh, Europeans to Ukraine. Uh, in, of course, it'll be a great opportunity to uh, personally say thanks to, to everyone uh, for this uh, support, uh, solidarity. Uh, and um, President said that uh, his dream, President of Ukraine said that his dream is uh, someday to greet uh, all the guests in peaceful and new rebuilt Mariupol. Uh, of course, uh, for now it's impossible, definitely, because the uh, city of Mariupol completely destroyed, completely. Uh, and um, I think it, uh, it'll take um, definitely three, four, five, maybe even more years to rebuild it, fully rebuilt. Uh, but uh, big cities of Ukraine, like Kiev, Odessa, Lviv, Kharkiv, Dnipro, uh, they are ready to meet uh, everyone. They have everything they need to, uh, to organize Eurovision. So we'll hope to, uh, to see that day to, uh, when our president will, will say, the war is ended, we, we won. <laughs> and we hope it will be uh, in the nearest uh, few months. You've, uh, you've had the opportunity to say, let the Eurovision Song Contest begin on that Eurovision stage before. So for you personally, how much would that mean to, to get the chance to do that again? For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job. 17 years in Eurovision. Uh, I mean, yeah, work here for adult Eurovision since 2007, for junior since 2005. <laughs> so it's 17 years already. It's, it's uh, definitely more than just a job. It's part of me. It's uh, part of my part of my life it's like a religion i know i think that all your fans will understand me <laughs> so of course uh, it's a dream with uh, uh, no result you you will continue to dream every year to say it once again welcome to ukraine welcome to the eurovision sun contest and let the show begin Tim, that's that seems like a, a great place to finish but i just wanted to give you the opportunity to i suppose speak to our listeners speak to our audience who are around the world not just you know of course in in one location so what would you like to say to them i suppose not necessarily for them giving their votes to ukraine but you know can give them that hopefully the situation in ukraine will will improve first of all uh, thanks thanks a lot to to all of you maybe you you can't even imagine how it's important for all of us uh, when uh, uh, we we know about uh, solidarity uh, on the level of the president uh, or prime minister, it's just one story. When we know about this support uh, uh, from millions, millions of uh, uh, people in Europe, uh, in Australia, uh, in other countries uh, who, who are not, supposed, uh, who, who not uh, uh, participating in Eurovision, yeah, uh, it's much more uh, valuable for all of us. And uh, we know that uh, it was a tough enough year for Eurovision itself, because uh, it has to prove uh, uh, all that uh, values we love uh, love it for. Uh, and I think that Eurovision uh, did this job very well. Uh, just just one 
just one moment, uh, just remember that uh, Eurovision uh, EBU banned Rush from 25th of February, even earlier than uh, FIFA, UEFA or United Nations. So Eurovision, it's a real world with great values, with, uh, um, with, uh, with love. It's, it's full of love. And we saw it and we felt, feel it uh, to the fullest uh, during this contest. So, and uh, uh, this feeling was created by all of us, by all of you. Timo, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to talk to us on the Eurotrip. Really appreciate it. And uh, all the best to, to yourself and, and all the people of Ukraine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Slava Ukraini. This is the Eurotrip. What an honour and privilege it is to welcome Timo Miroshnichenko onto the Eurotrip podcast. I know we don't say that lightly. We've had so many incredible guests here on the podcast. We know we're so lucky to bring you loads of those chats. But that one that you managed to have earlier in the week, Rob, is so significant, isn't it? Yeah, just, yeah. I kind of, I finished the 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 call with with Timor and I just didn't really know what to do with myself because it seemed a bit weird going back to normal life you know like me in in London here in the UK I don't really have any particular major worries in my life but there he was chatting to me from Kiev he put a brave face on it he's been doing a brilliant job he's on TV in Ukraine every single day and that's why I asked him one of the questions during that interview you know how difficult is it for him to provide some consistency i guess and some regularity for for the viewers back at home in ukraine and give them a little bit of distraction and give them a little bit of hope and you know how can he put a brave face on it every single day and he somehow does it and wow you know what what a service he's providing to to the people of of ukraine as of course kalish orchestra did with that win on saturday yeah i think i think that's all anybody who was watching Eurovision at the weekend is really hoping for that the the contest as a whole and naturally Ukraine's victory managed to sort of be a be a distraction for anybody in Ukraine or anybody Ukrainian who has has had to move across the continent to to goodness knows where and it was just a a refreshing moment for them just to sort of take in something that they haven't really been able to do over the last few months. So, so yeah, really, really lovely to, to hear from Timo there. And also, just did you get goosebumps that moment when he was talking about how much it would mean to sort of say those words, welcome to the Eurovision Song Contest, in Ukraine next year? Yeah. Oh, when he said that, I was just, yeah. When he said, I just want to say the words, let the Eurovision Song Contest begin on stage in Ukraine once again. Yeah. Oh, it just yeah like you said spine tingling really so thank you timor for joining us and thank you to you at home for joining us and listening to that and i hope that i was gonna say affected you as much as it affected me i mean that only positively because i think it was such an important conversation to listen to and do let us know your thoughts please at eurotrip podcast on twitter and instagram or send us an email hello at eurotrippodcast.com and you can also read more of what Timor had to say to me as well over on eurotrippodcast.com. So that is it for us today, but don't forget we will be back in a week's time with our final episode of the 2022 Eurovision season where we will try and tie together a few of our loose ends and round up everything that's happened over the entire season, really, picking out some of our best bits maybe, bringing you some more chats, but that will be 
our final episode of the 2022 season. Yeah, because I don't know about you, and I don't know about you listening there at home, wherever you're listening, but I can do with a break. As much as I love <laughs> Eurovision, I can just do a little, little, little break before we start commencing our look ahead to the 2023 season. And before we get to the 2023 season, we should say as well, we've got lots of other fun stuff planned to keep you going in the off season. Maybe we'll tell you a little bit more about that next week. Yeah, so until next week, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.